With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Sooner Nation, the online podcast for Heartland Sports. Heartland-Sports.com is where you can find us. Matt Hofet along with... Rich DeCray. And we are back in the same recording studio this week, New York City. Last week I was flying solo. Rich, it's good to, uh, good to be back and good to have you back on with me. Yeah, likewise. I know that you had to fly solo. It's always a little more difficult when you are not able to dialogue with someone. It's hard to talk to yourself for 45 I know, minutes. Dude, I was I was thoroughly impressed because initially when you and I had talked about that podcast, we were talking 30 minutes. Right. Well, I got on and listened to it 49. 40, yeah, oh, was it 49? 49, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I was, was rolling, Like man. I said, like <laughs> I said, I just didn't know you could carry a conversation with yourself for that long. All right, we're going to go in-depth on the NFL draft tonight, talk about uh, kind of who we think is going to get drafted, maybe what round if you, if you want to go that route. I don't know how much – how much detail you have on your NFL draftees. I want us to talk specifically about Kyler Murray and what the scenarios are. We've got predictions for that. Um, and we also got to talk about softball, baseball, uh, spring sports uh, in full swing. Yes, pun was attended there since we're talking about softball and baseball. But I want to start off with uh, NCAA rule changes for college football. And I want to start off by just asking you this question, Rich. Are you okay with NCAA overtime? College football overtime. Are you? Are you? Do you like it? Um, I if I had to put it into words, I would say it's the single greatest event. I'm borrowing this from you because I feel like you've said this before. I wanted to give you credit before finishing that statement, but it is the single greatest event in all of sports, not just collegiate sports. College overtime, I, the best single event in all of sports. I mean, think about it. Was uh, was it Texas A&M and Tennessee? I, Somebody last year. UCLA. Was it? No, no. There was some. Oh, that was two years yeah, ago. Yeah, last year a Texas A&M game went like into seven overtimes, right? Yeah. And like yeah, people, yeah. As, as that as that game grew and, and the Twitter following and so forth, people talking about. I mean, more people t- tuned in for the overtimes than they actually did the the game, the regulation. Okay. And I'm a big fan of the if it ain't broke, don't fix it type rule, right? But the NCAA in its Complete backwardness is not a fan of that. So here's the NCAA with a new rule change starting in 2019. If a game – now, granted, this will not reach the majority of college football games, but it will it will make sure there is never another game as epic as what we saw last year. Because from now, if a game reaches the fifth overtime, teams will begin to run alternating two-point plays – other than the offensive possessions that begin at the 25-yard line. So so basically what you're getting is instead of just a continual offensive onslaught, you get one play for a two-point conversion. If that doesn't if that doesn't work, then you get another play for a two-point conversion. I hate this. I absolutely hate it. What are your thoughts? I I completely agree with you. And 
there's no better way to sum it up, honestly, than what you've said. And if it's not broken, don't fix it. You want to talk about when we enter into these overtime games, we've seen a handful of rivalry games here in person, Matt, you and I in Norman, Oklahoma, where it's Oklahoma State and it's Oklahoma who's entered into that that overtime one of my spectacle. Single, one of my single greatest moments in the stadium as a as a fan was that game. Brandon Clay right. scores. I, right. I still have that memory as one of my greatest mm-hmm. memories as as a, as an Oklahoma football fan. Right, and I I just don't see how I, I get it. I get you're talking about okay, we're cutting into the next game. It's all TV dollars. I, I get the monetary portion of it, but it's the the value that you lose when you start chopping into that for the sole reason of money. Now, if we were talking about okay, player safety and things like that, I'm still not buying it, but I think you have more of a legit reason. The only reason I see that this is being passed, like I said, is because of money, because of viewership missing out on a portion of their scheduled kickoff. But see, I mean, I I I, I do see that, but here's the thing. For me, I mean, college football Saturday, my family knows. My my phrase on Saturday is Protect the sanctity of college football Saturday. Don't ask me to do stuff. Don't ask me to take you anywhere. If we are in the car, well, don't ask me to listen to music. But here's the thing. If I'm watching college football, not only am I watching the game that's currently on, I'm also watching those scores as they scroll, and I'm following other games online. And if a game, if I see a game going to overtime, you know what I do? I tune in for overtime. And I got to feel like I'm not alone. And if you're, if you're selling advertising dollars – I would think those are bonus dollars. Right. This is bonus right. money. I just, I mean, here, here's here's two things I'd rather see happen than this rule. And I, man, we're we're already going over this uh, allotted time segment. But here's two things I'd rather see other than this rule. First thing I'd rather see is instead of instead of two point conversions, just give them one chance to make a touchdown. You can't you can't kick a field goal, but we're gonna line you up with a three, and let's at least make it six points instead of two points, right? We'll still get those high scores. The other thing is, let's start at the twenty-five yard line. Put your field goal kicker out there. If they make that, move it back ten yards. I'd rather see a kickoff, you know, between the two <laughs> kickers than than this mess. I just I just think it's well, ridiculous. And, I'm and not a fan. Not a fan at all. Here's the truth. I, I just want to simplify this because I think it's a knee-jerk reaction to a single game. One single game. Which was the brought, greatest game of all season last I'm, year. I'm not saying that it wasn't, but this is that knee-jerk reaction. And in terms of priorities, I think this one should have been at, at the at the very bottom of that list. Uh, yeah, I agree. And, and the thing is, people complain about how long the game is. You know what? They call it overtime for a reason. Yeah, well, they tuned in and watched it, so it wasn't, that, wasn't too long for them to sit there and shovel popcorn or hot dogs and hamburgers. All right, we got to start talking Oklahoma Sooners NFL Draft coming up this week. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, NFL Draft coming up Thursday night. 
Kyler Murray and the Oklahoma Sooners have the opportunity to do something that's never been done, having back-to-back first-round number uh, overall first pick of the draft at the same position being quarterback. I want to talk about Kyler Murray. I want to talk about some scenarios and so forth. Give me your thoughts. What do, what do you think is going to happen with Kyler? Kyler Murray is one of those unique, extremely unique prospects in this year's draft. It's hard to ignore the talent that he possesses combined with the athleticism. If you're looking for a guy who can completely and drastically change the way or change your com- approach to the offensive side of the equation, Kyler Murray is that guy. Now, I understand everybody wanted to hash out all of the concerns mm-hmm. that they had with him up front. Regardless of the concerns, Kyler Murray still the most intriguing prospect. He's the name that was continuously talked about and will continuously be talked about up until someone actually selects him in this year's draft, which is slated to happen pretty shortly in two days from the time that we're recording this. Needless to say, I'm looking at Kyler Murray. I think he's a top 10 pick. He could go number one. He could go number four. I I really don't know, but my money set, if I were a betting man, my money would be on that number one overall pick with Kyler Murray right now. Yeah, you know, Aaron Taylor had a take on Kyler Murray earlier in the week, uh, or I guess over the weekend, that um, he's from CBS Sports, that if Arizona doesn't pick Kyler Murray, then he's he could possibly slip out of the first round. There's no way, no way no, I see that happen. Not at all. There's too many teams that are high on him. You, you've got Arizona drooling over him. You've well, got San Francisco who wants him. You, you've got the the Oakland Raiders who want him. The the Bengals need a quarterback. The Dolphins need a quarterback. Right. I'm They're, saying all the way down 13 to 15 range, there are people that that would snatch Kyler Murray up in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. No questions asked. It would be a done deal. There's no way that he drops out of the first round. No, that, I, I I agree wholeheartedly. That is a complete insane. It's an out of insane. Touch, it's an out of touch take that's based off of the old stereotype for the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And when you look at what, but Russell it's getting Wilson used, right? Did, Isn't that the goal? Well, yeah. But if you look <laughs> at what Russell Wilson just did with Seattle. Mm-hmm. You know, sign that that big contract. Yeah, the that, highest paid player. Right. Well, mm-hmm. now now Kyler Murray. I mean, that all that does is play into Kyler Murray's hand. There's two. There, to me, there's two scenarios for Kyler. At, at the at the end of the day on Thursday, Kyler Murray is either going to be an Arizona Cardinal or he's going to be an Oakland Raider. Those are the only. To me, those are the only two realistic scenarios. And what it comes down to really is how much does Arizona want Kyler Murray? How much does Cliff Kingsbury mm-hmm. want Kyler Murray? Arizona's in this position where they're either going to rebuild off of Kyler Murray or they're going to rebuild on defense. That's what it comes down to. But but to me, if Arizona doesn't get him, then Oakland is. That that's just that's all there is to it. Now, I think I think regardless, I'm gonna go ahead and give you my prediction here. I think regardless, Kyler Murray is the number one overall pick. Because yeah, here's the thing. I agree. If, if you're Cliff Kingsbury and you want Kyler Murray, then you're going to take him. Obviously, you're there. That, that's what he, that's what you have the number one pick for, right? You're going to take him. But if you're Arizona and you don't want Kyler Murray, you want Nick Bosa, you want somebody else, right? You're still going to draft Kyler Murray, and then you're going to say to Oakland, "Here, give us three, give us three first round picks. Give right. us two first round picks." We we know going back to when we had Bob McManaman on with us. Oakland is in the they're in the market. They're 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 the rumor at that time was Oakland would give all three first round picks to Arizona. So if you don't want him, you're gonna take him and you're gonna trade him 
for more first round picks. And, and here's the thing. People talk about Bosa. I, he's a phenomenal player, but is he worth three first? Would you give up th- the potential of three additional first round picks? Because if, if you, if you're, if you're Arizona and you don't want Kyler Murray and you just draft some random Joe, it is the dumbest thing. That's that's the only way, in my opinion, it's the only way Arizona can blow this draft. It's to draft someone other than Kyler Murray, number one. Because he has more value if he's yours, right? So if I'm Arizona and you're Oakland, and I know you're John Gruden, man. John Gruden has, if there's a guy who's talked about Kyler Murray more than Cliff Kingsbury, which there isn't, but there's a guy who's, who's close to that, it's John Gruden. Right, so I know you want Kyler Murray. So pre-draft, Kyler Murray may be worth to you an additional first-round pick, right? But if I pick him number one and then I call you, yo, John, I got him. He's mine. Now all of a sudden he has more value because he's mine. Uh, he can be yours for two picks or three picks. I mean, if Arizona doesn't <laughs> take him, it's the dumbest thing because Nick Bosa is not worth giving up the potential of two or three or four first-round picks. Only Kyler Murray is that guy. He is the most electrifying player in this draft. He's the only guy that's worth that much. So I think regardless, I think, again, the only two scenarios that I see of this, as much as I'd love for Kyler Murray to be a Miami Dolphin, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking to my guns, by the way. By the time this draft is over with, Josh Rosen will be a Miami Dolphin. I have not backed away from that. I, <laughs> Will Greer. Will uh, Greer. No. I, I told you I'd, I'd rather have Locke than Will Greer, but it's going to be Josh Rosen. Uh, just watch. You're going to send me a text Thursday or Friday or Saturday, and you're like, dude, you were so right on that. No. I, I, no, I, you are. Because I'm not going to send you a text. I'm going to call you. <laughs> but the I'm reality going to take is, you out for a steak the, dinner and the, tell me what I should put my money on next. The only way Arizona messes this up, the only way they mess this up is by drafting someone other than Kyler Murray. If you want him, he's yours to take. If you don't want him, he's yours to take and sell. Trade him for other first-round picks because that's what they need is bodies. They need people, mm-hmm. and you get the biggest bang for your buck if you draft Kyler Murray. So yeah, my here's, prediction number one. Here's pick. where I'm going, and, and I, I had written this article today about a couple of other players for Oklahoma that Philadelphia could potentially trade up in order to get. We know Philadelphia has that number 25 overall pick. I'm not going to get into that at this point in time, but I wanted to borrow something that Howie Roseman said of the Philadelphia Eagles with that number 25 pick. He said those game changers, those who really have the potential to impact the game as a first year guy and beyond are those from picks number one down to number 20. I I don't say 15, but I I don't, yeah, I don't necessarily disagree with that. They've done a 15 year study over that, where these picks, who they are and the impact they've had on those teams, et cetera, et cetera. The reality for me, when I'm looking at Arizona, the number one pick, I'm right there in line with you is that if the Raiders offer up three first round picks with that statement of those game changers coming one to 20. You would take the potential of getting this elite game changer with one of those three picks versus just getting one pick and hoping that it still works out for you. And that's not a knock against Kyler Murray. That's not a knock against anybody else that's going to be selected in the first round of the draft this year. But I agree, Matt. I think 
number one pick is Kyler Murray unquestionably, and the rest of the cards are going to fall where they may. Will uh, since you did that, the rest of the will, cards. <laughs> will he be with Arizona or will he be with Oakland? That's the only thing that has been undetermined for me at this point in time. All right, well, Oklahoma's going to have other players drafted maybe Thursday night into Friday and Saturday. We're going to talk about that uh, as soon as this break is over with. Listen to Sooner Nation, the online podcast of Heartland Sports, heartland-sports.com. All right, here's the last thing I want to say about Kyler Murray. Welcome back, Sooner Nation, uh, the online podcast, Heartland Sports. Uh, Catch us on Twitter, at Sports Heartland, at Sports Heartland. The the last thing I want to say is, and just because I'm old, okay, there's not a lot of people out there today that remember – um, how Herschel Walker changed the face of the Dallas Cowboys through a blockbuster trade. Minnesota gave up a ton of draft picks to get Herschel Walker from Dallas. Jimmy Johnson gladly gave him to Minnesota for all those draft picks. To me, Kyler Murray and Arizona, if they don't want him, this is the closest thing that we've seen to that Herschel Walker trade all those years ago in the early 90s. So that said, uh, I think Kyler Murray is definitely number one overall pick in the draft. You agree with me. Next question is this. How many Sooners do you see going in the first round of the draft? How many, <laughs> in in how the many, first round? Yeah, I thought you many, were asking me total. No, no, first round. How many second. names are going to get called Thursday night from Oklahoma? On on Thursday, I think it, it could be three. I'm going. I, I yeah, yeah. You can't I'm say going. I said I'm. Okay. I'm going with three. Okay. At this point and I bet in we time, have the same three. So mm-hmm. like, give me your order. Obviously, Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray going to be that that first one who's taken. I think we're going to see because of the versatility, and we can get into this in a little bit more depth in mm-hmm. terms of discussion here. But I think the versatility of Co- Cody Ford extremely appealing. He's the second guy to go, and then because of that injury, Marquise Brown's the third one off the list. For okay, me. so we're gonna have our first disagreement here. I we have the same three guys, but mm-hmm. I have them in different order. Marquise Brown is rising in draft stock. He his name is out there a little bit more than Cody Ford has been. I think Cody Ford is a lock to have an all pro NFL career, but I think there's more priority on a guy like Marquise Brown in this moment that that play that that uh, playmaking ability a uh, home run threat anytime he touches the ball there's so much that a team can do with his speed he becomes more of a value uh, uh, early commodity there's more people looking at him than there are Cody Ford I think Marquise Brown goes ahead of Cody Ford but I definitely agree they both go uh, in the first round of the draft yeah, we're just going to agree to disagree there. I mean, and and like I said, Matt, it really comes down to, to that injury. Mm-hmm. But how I, I how think, healthy is I, I don't, I don't he going to be? See, to me, that doesn't matter. I I, I don't mm-hmm. think that plays in because they don't need the guy until August. But you know how the executives are. They love those measurables, and they don't have any on, no, on they, Marquise but, Brown. But that they have film. They have, they have tape. They, I mean, and, and that's, <laughs> you know, that's that's fine. I mean, because if I'm an NFL exec, yeah, this guy has a has a foot injury. I see he's gutsy because he tried to play in the Orange Bowl. He tried to play through the pain. I know he's a warrior. I see his speed. I don't I don't need to see him run at the combine or at pro day to see how fast he is. I, I can watch him, you know, play against a number of teams uh, and see how fast he is. There's enough tape on Marquise Brown uh, that his his size. Uh, doesn't matter anymore because that small slot receiver, that inside guy, is becoming more of a thing in the NFL. What what matters to me is schematically, can I get this guy in open space? And if there's a guy in the NFL who says they cannot get him into open space, 
then that guy doesn't need to be in the NFL. <laughs> you know, uh, just the truth is, I, I just I don't I don't need to see a combine or a pro day result on him. I just need to see what he's done and what he's done has sold me. I I mean, look, what, what are you going to get out of, out of Cody Ford at the combine that's going to be better than what you've seen him blocking thirty yards downfield? Mm-hmm. Well, know? I mean, we let's go back a year because Orlando Brown. Right. You had all the film in the world that you wanted on him. Mm-hmm. He was a starter almost from day one. Okay, after his redshirt year. Right. Almost from day one, though. And he played at an exceptionally high rate. Was very productive. Mm-hmm. Not just in the eyes of Sooner fans, but from those in the Big 12 as well as across the nation. All of a sudden, his measurables come up pretty poorly, don't they? No, just just the bench press. The measurables were good. Just the bench and press. And his running. Was, well, but again, and I, and I, see, I agree. I, When's people, an offensive lineman right. going to be That's downfield? Baker Mayfield. That, yeah, you're exactly. Baker Mayfield. Right. But he went from a first round pick and quickly dropped out of that because of the measurables. I'm not saying that's going to be the case with Marquise Brown. I still think he's a first round pick. He is that kind of talent, not only because of his speed, his athleticism, his ability to track these deep balls down, but also because he's shown that he has a high football IQ, right? It's going to go a long way for him. Just those factors. And I agree with what you've seen on tape, but because of the injury, I'm putting him below Cody Ford. Okay, well that's I mean, that's what I'm getting right. at with and my we'll reasoning say, here. I, but I'm looking at I'm looking at need, team need ahead mm-hmm. of all that stuff. And here's the thing I'm going to tell you about about Zeus, about Orlando Brown, is that a, the difference between last year and this year is that they saw the steal that Baltimore got in Orlando Brown. They they saw the value of that pick. And and what said? Hey, um, maybe maybe Beanbow's onto something. Exactly, here. Bill Beanbow is developing <laughs> a track record of. I mean, for crying out loud, the guy's gonna have four offensive linemen drafted this coming weekend. Hey, I'm glad we agree there. Uh, so uh, <laughs> so I mean, maybe I tip my hand just a little bit in, in our draft, but but I'm just saying they're they're looking at what Bill Beanbow's doing. They're looking at the best offensive lineman that Oklahoma had last year is not eligible for the draft this year. But the second best offensive lineman is Cody Ford, who would have been the best offensive lineman on just about any team in the country this year. He's getting drafted and he's going to, and it doesn't matter what measurables are. And the same thing with, 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 with Marquise Brown, a skill position guy of his skill set. They're, they're rare. It's a rare breed. And, and that said, there's guys that want this guy. They, they want the speed and, and the same thing with, with success. You look at a guy like Sterling Shepard, who is not your prototypical Odell Beckham Jr. type receiver, but the fact, look at what the, the money he just got from the Giants because of his productivity. Marquise Brown is going to fit that, that type of role, but he's faster. They want him, and, and, and he'll go before <laughs> Cody Ford. Uh, you're on the other side of that. You've got Kyler, Cody, Cody Ford. Marquise. Yes, sir. I've got him, Kyler, Marquise, Cody. Mm-hmm. We'll see. All right, so now here's what I want to move on to. Uh, from here is tell me, Rich, um, how many Oklahoma players overall are going to get drafted? We've got three. How many are you adding to the three? Uh, man. Uh, here's the thing is on my list here, I've got question marks by three names. I have a total list of, of 10 okay. here, Ten but players. I right. think, I think with certainty, Oklahoma hits eight players drafted with certainty. Okay. So you got a but, couple of, you but got I'm couple saying of, it could be 10. All right. So here, and here, it could be seven. 
No, I, I think it's going to be eight. I mean, here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to we're going to walk through this. Let, let's talk about rounds, okay? Mm-hmm. So we, we've got Kyler, Cody, Marquise going in the first, first round. First round. I don't have anybody from Oklahoma going again until the fourth round. Do you got any second or third rounders? I, I do have third rounders, and, and it really comes down to the offensive line for okay. me. I've got Bobby Evans going in the third round. I've got Drew Samia going in the third round as well. Okay, Bobby uh, Evans – First, Drew Samia second. I, I got the same two guys, reverse order. I've got Drew Samia <laughs> going and then Bobby Evans. Okay. But I've got him going in the fourth round. Okay. So that, that gives me four. Uh, excuse mm-hmm. me, five. Five yeah, players and, in the And team. I'm up to five as well. Now, when I drop down in the fourth round, I actually put Rodney Anderson there because no. I I truly believe – and you, could, you very well could be right. I really – for Rodney Anderson, uh, I'm, my view's a little bit skewed because I have such high hopes for a kid who put so much into the program mm-hmm. here in Norman and was basically robbed of his career as a collegiate athlete. Right. He had one full season to play. And so I'm I'm openly admitting I have no issues admitting that my hopes are always extremely high for, for Anderson. And I shoot higher than maybe what is – realistic for him but i i said i had him going in the fourth round i think rodney anderson beforehand had he not gotten injured would have been a lock for a second round pick easy he's that kind of talent again i know those questions are going to abound for him how does he hold up with i mean he's got the potential he has the type of talent at least previously to become an every down type back a starter in the nfl how will his body hold up I know that's going to be a major concern, but whoever picks him, I don't care if it's in the fourth. I don't care if it's in the seventh, Matt. Whoever picks him that late is getting a steal, in my opinion. I do agree with that. They're getting this steal in Rodney Anderson. Is he fourth-round talent? Yes. Is he higher than fourth-round talent? Yes. But here's a guy that finally, I mean, what you're talking about with Marquise, the injury, it catches up with Rodney Anderson. If you're an NFL exec and you're looking at paying out guaranteed money, well, Marquise Brown had one injury that he tried to play through. A guy like Rodney Anderson, as talented as he, as he is, he would have been a Heisman Trophy candidate last season had the injury not occurred. But it's his third season-ending injury since arriving to the University of Oklahoma. Hang on. If you're an NFL exec, what you're looking at is not contract dollars with a guy like, like Rodney Anderson, but how much money do you want to pay up front guaranteed dollars to a guy who is an injury risk? Rodney Anderson, for all the good that he is, you can't escape the tag of injury prone with him because he he didn't really make it through a complete season at the University of Oklahoma. Even the 2018, excuse the 2017 season, he came on late. He didn't really start until the Texas game because he's still recovering, working his way back from injury. This is a guy who's got all the talent in the world, but he has the injury-prone tag. And now NFL execs are saying, if you if you go, I believe Rod, I've got Rodney Anderson. I gotta look at my notes here. I got Rodney Anderson as a sixth round pick. Wow. And here's the reason why. Because I can get him in the sixth round, and I don't have to guarantee a contract with him. Mm -hmm. I can get him in the sixth round. I can pay him a signing bonus and tell him he has to earn a spot on my roster. And therefore, I'm making a a, a lesser investment in him with the potential of a high yield on that investment. And a guy like – in my opinion, a guy like Rodney Anderson is going to have to play for that second contract, not a rookie contract because he's going to come in at a low value due to the the injury prone uh, uh, of him. 
So Rodney Anderson to me, sixth round pick. Here's what I wanted to know. You had mentioned Rodney Anderson as a potential Heisman candidate. Right. Boom, light goes on in my brain. Question pops up. So maybe the light doesn't go on. It's not an idea. It's the question mark up there. Does Kyler Murray win the Heisman Trophy if Rodney Anderson is still with this team? Yes. Okay, that settles that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I said he's going to be a candidate, not right, a winner. Right, right. I just know – He was going to get enough second, third place votes to get him to New York City. I just know when it comes to teammates being on that list, it usually lends to stealing votes – from one another. It didn't work out for Jason White and Adrian Peterson. Jason White going for that second one probably hurt him right. as well. I don't recall it working out. Well, well it did work other, out for USC. The other thing you have, but see, the other thing you had going at that same time was you, Reggie Bush and Matt Leiner. So you, you got Jason White, Adrian Peterson versus Reggie Bush, Matt Leiner, that, those, those two two tandems. Mm -hmm. So not only were Jason White and Adrian Peterson hey, pulling can, votes from each other, uh, Leiner and Bush were pulling let, votes from each other. Let's just skip that conversation because that, that, that always that, ends poorly. And, and, and that never happened. That, that whole season <laughs> never happened. Okay, so we've got Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, Cody Ford, Drew Samia, Bobby Evans, Rodney Anderson, all off our board. Yep. For the record, I've got uh, Kyler, Marquise, Cody going in the first round. Uh, Samia Evans going in the fourth round. Um, I've got Rodney Anderson in the sixth round. You've got uh, Samia. Kyle, yeah, got Kyler, Cody, Marquise, the first rounders. Evans, Samia, the third. Like I said, high hopes here. Anderson in the fourth. My next one below that, I you skipped a couple rounds. Here, so maybe maybe we'll agree here. I think Ben Powers gonna be taken. I've got him in the fifth round. Where are you at? I can see that. Okay, I I, I don't have him in the fifth round, but I can you see went him. low. Yeah, I, okay. I, I Bobby look Bobby Evans is the uh, Tony Jefferson Kenny Stills version of the draft this year. In that, if he came back one more year, he could have made a lot more money. Not that he's not ready. I think he's going to get drafted. I think he's going to make a team. We're talking Bobby Evans or Ben Powers. Oh, sorry. Did I say Bobby Evans? Mm -hmm. My bad. Ben Powers. I, I can see him going in the fifth round. I think he's a sixth-round pick for okay. the exact same reasons. When when people evaluate this <laughs> – when they evaluate these four guys, these four linemen, they're, they're going to be – in my opinion, they're going to be evaluated in the order of having them drafted. They're going to be evaluating Cody Ford, Drew Samia, Bobby Evans, and then Ben Powers. And I can get him – with very little signing bonus, no guaranteed money, and tell him earn a spot on my roster. Now, here's what, what I'm going to do, Matt. I've given all of my draft picks first. Okay. On each round so far. You said that there was going to be eight. Seven, I said was a, a guarantee. I said eight was a guarantee. But I don't know which one of the three on my list is going to be that eighth one. Okay. So I'm going to let you take it away first, and then I'm going to tell you if, if I'm going to piggyback you or not. All right, so I only got one more player, obviously, and I have him going in the seventh round. It's Austin Seibert. Austin Seibert. <laughs> yeah, I knew exactly where you were going think, with that I one. I think – here's the thing. Kickers are never drafted high. Mm -hmm. um, in, in the history of the draft, there's been very few kickers drafted high. I think, I think Austin Seibert is probably the first kicker drafted. But they, he won't go before the seventh round. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I had Austin Seibert as potentially a seventh-round pick, or I had him going as a free agent. After that— I can see that, but I, I think there's enough value in mm, his versatility to do kickoffs, yeah, uh, uh, place-kicking, and punting that he's going to get drafted. Where my questions really came in at 
was you're looking at a guy, Curtis Bolton, who really had one really productive year. Now he flashed some signs of potential right. as a senior on this team as he earned that starting role from day one. I know that surprised a lot of fans, but we've got to give credit to Curtis Bolton because he, as well as Kenneth Murray, were, were setting all kinds of records right. in this defense regardless of the struggles. Now I look at a guy like Curtis Bolton, and he's that fringe draft pick mm. for me. And I'm also looking at Amani Bledsoe as another fringe draft pick right. for me just because these are guys who have talent. They have that football know-how, but there's not a lot of tape on them. You don't have a ton to go off of when you're evaluating these guys and asking are they worthy of a draft pick or do I look elsewhere and then bring them in potentially as a free agent? So I had Austin Seibert, Curtis Bolton, and Imani Bledsoe as those fringe guys for me who who fit more of that free agent role than right. they did a draft pick. I, I initially had uh, I initially had Bledsoe as a draftee uh, ahead of Curtis Bolton, but I think both of those guys will sign undrafted free agent contracts on uh, on Sunday Sunday evening and and really what it comes down to with with Amani Bledsoe you've got the scandal uh, I, I I do believe him maybe it's just because I'm a complete homer and I'm a fan of the team uh, I do believe him that and I, I think it's ironic that the guy who gave him the supplement is now at Syracuse and faced no punishment at all uh, with Abdul Adams but um, I I feel like I feel like I believe Amani Bledsoe's story. Now the NCAA didn't, and that's neither here nor there. But if if Amani Bledsoe comes back and was given that extra year that he lost, I, I think this is a different story. But I think you've got the scandal around him. You've got limited production and a bad bad defense that bumps him out into undrafted free agent status. Same thing with Curtis Bolton. Curtis Bolton had a, had a great season. Uh, as at the linebacker position, one of the top punt returners in the nation for touchdowns, you know, but they were block <laughs> punts, but whatever. Um, he he was able to show his athleticism and his skill set, but again, the fact that he was one of the top tacklers on this team shows how bad this defense was. But also the fact that he was one of the top tacklers, he was very limited in his role and responsibility. Basically, his role was a cleanup guy. He wasn't an attacking guy. Where he's going to get more credit as an attacking defensive player, those on the punt blocks and the punt returns, those type of things are going to help him. But I believe he's going to be an undrafted free agent because limited ability or limited limited range on a bad defense is what's shown through one season of football for him. Now, the exception to that, in my opinion, is if if somebody, a specific team, says, hey, we, we've got a we've got a need at defensive tackle or we've got a need at, at this linebacker position. And this guy, Curtis Bolton or Amani Bledsoe, they fit the mold of what we're looking for. And here's the thing. Once you, once you go undrafted, and a lot of people say it's better to go undrafted than get drafted in the seventh round because you're basically the – only, the only difference is in the seventh round, you do get a little bit more guaranteed money. But as an undrafted free agent, you have more negotiating and bargaining power. So you can go wherever you Especially want. Especially if you, you show out in an extremely right. impressive fashion. Right. When they're evaluating so, so if you New England on wants site. you and the Jets want you and the Cardinals want you, you get to play that out mm -hmm. a little bit and use that as leverage. How bad do they want you? And if a team were to see one of these guys and say, we feel like there's a fit for them, they would take them in the seventh round as opposed to risk uh, 
undrafted free agent unless they can reach out to their agent way ahead of time as that seventh round approaches and say, hey, like we got one more pick in the seventh round, but we'd really like to get Rich DeCray uh, in, instead. Will you be willing right now to negotiate an undrafted free agent? We want you undrafted free agent. Let's make this happen right now. Those type of things happen as well, but I, I really think those two guys, undrafted free agent. Uh, that's my final thoughts on Oklahoma Sooners NFL Draft 2019. Anything else you want to throw out there? Uh, the only thing that I'm going to say is it's going to be an exciting final couple of days as we head into the draft. I know trade talks are obviously – things are going to change. People are going to move up. People are going to move down. There's going to be a lot of storylines to follow. So it's just going to be a very entertaining Thursday. Hopefully spice up your week just a little bit because Oklahoma city is going to get bounced from the playoffs tonight. Okay. Well, we'll talk about that if we have time <laughs> at the end. Um, we, Sorry. We, you and I are notorious for, for making wagers uh, on our podcast. You owe me one. I do. Owe I forgot one about that because it was seven and a half minutes from the baseball stadium gate to the softball stadium gate. We, we walked that off. So I was, I was wrong. You were right. So I owe you. Um, what do you want to wager on Cody Ford, Marquise Brown? Dude, um, I mean, we can just do the use, which is hot dog and a drink. Okay. Coney Island. Coney we'll make Island. it happen. Coney Island down in Bricktown. We'll, we'll, we'll make that. Uh, we'll make that wager. Uh, I've got Marquise going before Cody. You got Cody going before Marquise. There, it's set in stone. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Sports Heartland. At Sports Heartland on Twitter. He's Rich. I'm Matt. You're listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. All right. Well, let's switch gears then. Uh, that's that's the rundown of our NFL draft talk. Uh, we're going to close this out the final 20 plus minutes uh, uninterrupted until we hit our, our final break uh, to close out. But okay. So you, you think, uh, I mean, this, what we're about to talk about is going to expire like in five hours. But you think Oklahoma City loses in Portland game five tonight? Yeah, it's it's crazy me, to have a conversation again that this this whole conversation is going to be expired before most people listen to the podcast. But we're going to have to go a little bit more in depth beyond this game. But I, there, I don't think they lose. I, I there, think Oklahoma City wins. So. There just hasn't been a, a ton of confidence I agree. for me in this Oklahoma City team. I don't think there's and been a ton of confidence with anybody in this team. Since the All-Star break, right. I would concur with that 100%. Now they, they, they did end the season on that five-game streak that I think – and in that was a win over Houston – which I think kind of boosted the juices, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, they've been but, no But show. here's the thing is, didn't Portland center get injured? Am I crazy? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. The, I thought that Cantor is not their normal center. Right, and I thought that was a game changer right. for Portland. Been. For the simple fact that Cantor's not known for his defensive prowess. He's not a Can't guy. Cantor. Those are the famous words of Billy he's, Donovan. He's not going to lock down some of these power forwards, some of these centers in terms of scoring. Mm-hmm. It's just not going to happen. You have a guy like Steven Adams who's extremely physical in the center. I'm saying you try to exploit that matchup. Then, needless to say, Oklahoma City hasn't been able to do it. I've seen stats thrown out numerous times that if Oklahoma City attempts 40 plus three pointers, their record is 7 and 11. If they attempt 25 or less, their record skyrockets. Right. I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was something like something like 11 wins to three losses. Mm-hmm. I'm saying you take your chances by shooting less three pointers, which means getting into the paint potentially drawing those fouls, but finding baskets that are easy, close shots, whether that's a jumper, a floater, a layup, 
And again, I, I felt like all of that ran through Steven Adams. It just hasn't come together for Oklahoma City. And you can attribute that to an, a number of things with this team at that point, at okay, this so, point in time. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk more in depth than just game five. I think Oklahoma City wins game five. The Thunder have not won a road playoff game since Kevin Durant left. I think that streak ends. I, I And, and the okay. reason why is not because of what you're saying. While I agree 100%. With what you're saying, I don't think that's why they win tonight. I think Russell Westbrook will be out of his mind tonight, and that's the reason why they win. We're going to see a Russell Westbrook more along the lines of Game 3 than we saw Games 1, 2, and 4. That's going to be the difference maker tonight in this game. Portland has that commanding 3-1 to edge. They're going to be a little bit more relaxed, in my opinion. They're not. Do they have that? It's it's not a must win. It's not. Where right. it is the pressure's absolutely not on a them must at all. win for Oklahoma City because mm-hmm. you fight to stay alive. But I agree a hundred percent. And and you go back to Game Four. To me, the the biggest thing I noticed was in Game Four to start that game. Now I talked to the Thunder guys about this. Uh, well, I talked to one of the Thunder guys, the one I'm related to, and he didn't necessarily agree with me. But that doesn't change my my mind on this. If you go back to Game Four. Damon Lillard starts that game really bad. He he's he doesn't really start scoring to almost two minutes left in the half. In fact, I tweeted out Damian Lillard wasted all of his points in the third quarter of game three. And then all of a sudden, Damian Lillard hits one shot, hits another shot, and he starts getting rolled. Now, during that time that Lillard was off, you know what Oklahoma City was doing? They were going inside. They, they were they were playing inside. They were attacking the basket. They weren't necessarily 100% going to Steven Adams, which I think if you could go to Steven Adams all night long in two game and you could dominate this team because of Enos Cantor being in the middle. But Oklahoma City is attacking. Russell Westbrook is attacking. Jeremy Grant is attacking. I mean, they're, Steven Adams is attacking. And what are they doing? They're winning this game. And all of a sudden, Damian Lillard hits a shot. And then hits another shot. And then for the entire third quarter and then on, Steven hasn't even played hardly in the fourth quarter if he played at all. They're doing out, so they're, they're trying to match jump shot for jump shot with Portland. And you can't do that. You just you cannot do that with a team of this caliber. And, and this will make Oklahoma City fans mad. But the reality is Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum are what Russell Westbrook and Paul George want to be. But they're not. Their skill set is different. Paul George is a better shooter than Russell Westbrook. But I, I promise you, there's not a better shooting combo in this playoff series than McCollum and Lillard. But there's not a better combo of attacking the basket and kicking outside for with than, than Russell Westbrook and Paul George. The key is what does Russell Westbrook choose to do? And it's just – it's that – it's that machoism in him that he's got to prove I can beat Damian Lillard at his game. He is so – this rivalry between the two transcends the logical thought of how you should play basketball. And Russell Westbrook does not play logically. He plays – I'm going to beat that, that – go back to game three when he's hitting those outside shots. What is he doing? He's pointing at Damian Lillard. He's pounding his chest. He's screaming, I can do this better than you. Well, yeah, for one game you did, but for three games, Damian Lillard has proven he can do it better than Russell Westbrook, and ultimately he's going to have to he's going to do that because Russell Westbrook has to do it uh, three games in a row now. 
where Damian Lillard only has to do it one more time. Those odds go to Damian Lillard more than they go to Russell Westbrook. Right. But for game five, I think it does go to Russell Westbrook. I think they win. We get a game six. And I Well, think I know people here are hoping for that. Well, yeah. I mean, and people talked about me. I'm not a Thunder fan. And, and I know there's people who just can't stand the fact that I'm not a Thunder fan. But the reality is I want Oklahoma City to win. Because it gives us something to talk about. It gives it, – it's better for my city. I was in New York City last week, and it was really cool to be in New York City and hear people talking about the thunder. I went to check into my hotel room, and the, the lady at the, at, the, at the counter of the hotel room, she said, I, I give her my identification to show her that's my actually my reservation. And she says, oh, Oklahoma City, can the thunder come back and beat Portland? I mean and to hear national media talking about Oklahoma City, that's good for the city that I, – I love Oklahoma City. I love the city I live in. The more they win, the better that is. But unfortunately, it is more of the Barry Trammell, Russell Westbrook feud than it is that Oklahoma City actually winning ball games. The way that changes is if Oklahoma City wins ball games. I'm sorry, I'm 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 just flipping through Twitter. Yeah, have I lost you? Did I bore you? In that no, 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 you there? didn't. Um, I was trying to look for more of those stats. Oh, gotcha. Those stat lines and say, okay, if this happens, then Oklahoma City can win. But instead, here's what I'm reading: Russell Westbrook has Ben Simmons' jump shot, but Steph Curry's confidence in it. And I just had to giggle a little bit at that, Matt. When it comes to Oklahoma City and, and the Thunder. I feel like a lot of people are pointing blame at this point in time, and there's something that you've said for years now. Right before they hired Billy Donovan, who did they fire? Scott Brooks. Are they wishing they had him back at this point in time? Um, I, I, I can tell you this. I don't think Scott Brooks wishes he was back at this time. I mean, it didn't work out for him, and it's not working out for him in Washington, but still. I, I don't think people want to coach Russell Westbrook. And they may not. I mean, the when we look at professional sports and we look at these all-star caliber people at their specific job, mm-hmm. they are big personalities. They didn't get there without being these big personalities. And all of a sudden, when they grow into that role, it can become something that's unmanageable. I'm not saying that's Russell Westbrook. But I'm saying it is going to take a special relationship to step in for Russell Westbrook. I I don't know that I'm even on board at this point in time with this is Russell Westbrook's team. But in terms of Russell Westbrook being on a team, it is going to take some special relationship player to coach who can come in and really work with a guy like Russell Westbrook, because there are, I know that people talk about some of the things that have happened between Russell Westbrook and fans in the past. Um, there were even a couple of people who were suspended indefinitely from certain venues because of their interactions with Russell Westbrook. Now I know that that happens to more people than just Russell Westbrook, but we see the most from what Russell Westbrook, I'm going to start saying his name with a W. I'm, I'm just exactly. I'm going to have to just say, say Westbrook at this point in time, instead of the full name. I think we see more of him because it brings a bigger reaction. And to me, that's all a mentality. Can you rein in that kind of a mentality and channel it through basketball? Absolutely. You can. When's it going to happen? I think Don't too, shake your head. No, I think Don't it's too far gone. I think it's too far gone to happen. Um, and I, I do think that, that 
The I mean, Matt, guy, Matt, if a guy like Ron Artest no, could no. could be on yeah. a team, he's not the star of the team. Well, that's the, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. But see, in, in in the Thunder guys and I, we we don't always agree on a lot of things because they're the Thunder guys and they do a great job covering it as a fan. They're a fans. They're like well, you and I do with the Sooners. We're slanted towards Oklahoma because before we uh, we write or cover or photograph, we're fans, right? Well, that's what the Thunder guys are for the Thunder. But what we do agree on, the best opportunity Oklahoma City has post-Billy Donovan, I think Billy Donovan's gone. I mean, I, I said before the playoffs started that Oklahoma City had to make the conference finals for Billy Donovan to keep his job. That's not happening. Billy Donovan's gone. The best chance is going to be Mo Cheeks. If, that, they, if they turn this around and win this series— does that change no, that statement they're, they're for you? They're not making it to the finals. No, it doesn't. Not change. to the finals. I'm just saying if they make it out of the first round. No, they have to make it to the finals, the conference finals, for Billy Donovan to save his job. A second round exit is better than a first round exit, but it's not going to save Billy Donovan's job. But here's the thing. Let me let me ask you this. I, I talked about the the game the game flow of of game four. Do you think Billy Donovan called the timeout and told these guys, hey? Uh, so Damian Lillard's hitting shots now. So let's start. Let, let's stop going inside and let's start shooting jump shots. Oh, oh no. But see, Billy Donovan is going to be the scapegoat, and this is Russell Westbrook's team. He is the leader. You had the big three. You had Harden. You had Durant. You had Westbrook. Harden and Durant are gone. Westbrook's what's left of that, and this is his team. And since it's been his team. You're looking at the third consecutive first-round exit. And I, and I said this with last time. <laughs> maybe this is the why the why I haven't been on the Thunder Guys podcast in a while. But here, here's why I think it's too far gone. You're not a dad. You're not married. You don't have kids. But you know what I'm about to say. You, you've got that – you've got that – hey, that means you're an eligible bachelor, okay? Um, but you've got that group of parents – uh, hopefully I'm not that guy in your life, but you know, there, there are those sets of parents that you just don't want to be around their kids. You know what I'm talking about? I said this to the Thunder guys. You don't want to be no around, comment. You don't no want, comment. You, you, I'm not putting this on record. <laughs> you don't want to be around their kids because of the lack of discipline, right? No do comment. Those, do those kids, do those kids just nod? Just, you can nod. No one sees <laughs> you nodding, but do those kids, as they get older, do they improve their behavior? No. It becomes more and more difficult to discipline them because you've let it go for so long. Russell, I just, Matt, Russell I, Westbrook, listen, Russell Westbrook is the undisciplined child. Oklahoma City right now is in the national news, not because they're winning playoff games, but because of, because Russell Westbrook refuses to answer Barry Trammell's questions. Next question. The other night, that's a good question. I don't know. He He's just – he is too far gone for the, – the organization as a whole has never disciplined Russell Westbrook for his antics. The coaches have never disciplined Russell Westbrook for his antics. You're telling me a new coach is going to come in here? No, I'm not. And say, hey, Russell, we're not doing that anymore. I be- I believe there are entities that could no, do that. Are they coming to Oklahoma City? No, they're not. They don't here's want to. Well, here's the name that pops up when you talk about a guy who could step in and do that Greg with Popovich. Russell. Exactly. He's not. Coming. That is yeah. the exact name but that he's I had like in mind. Seventy. You don't right. Want to start he's over he's five. not coming to Oklahoma City. I'm surprised. He, <laughs> this is off topic now, but he said when Tim Duncan was done, he was done. Right. That didn't happen. I mean, I just think his wife passed away. I I think this is his life. You know, this is this Mm -hmm. is what he does. I think of Pat Riley. 
could come in. I don't think do that something. Could. No, I don't think I, he I wants to coach though. Well, yeah, I, I look Mo Cheeks. The reason why Mo Cheeks is on this staff is it's his job to try to corral what Russell Westbrook. That, that's the reason why he's on this staff. And 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 I love Mo Cheeks. I I remember him as a player. I I, I love his personality. I love I love his kindness. But he's not doing a great job at reeling in Russell Westbrook. And I don't think it's because they're they're not saying to him, dude, this is a bad idea. Just answer a question and let's get this feud over with. Okay. So you don't like Barry Trammell, big deal. Can you imagine if if he if if Russell Westbrook was in the LA or New York market, they would be destroying this guy over those antics. But here it's a big joke. And the, the organization doesn't care, the fans don't care, the media cares, and the media's are the media are the bad guys. Because Barry Trammell keeps asking Russell Westbrook questions. Here's the thing, though. Here's, here's the cold, hard reality of this. Barry Trammell's doing his job. He's doing his job. You've been to games. I've been to games. You go down on the field. You ask the star the question. The, the media relations guy comes by the press box and says, Matt, who do you want to talk to after the game? I don't look at the guy who didn't play and say, give me that guy to talk to. I look at who made the biggest play, who was the impact player, who mm-hmm. who messed up. I, I That's who I asked for. So that's why Russell Westbrook's always at the podium. It's Barry Trammell's, Barry Trammell's job to ask a question. And you know what else? It's Russell Westbrook's job to answer that question. See, we're, we'll disagree there. It, it is. That's, I mean, that's just – that's what it is. If, if he doesn't want to answer a question, don't send him to the press conference. I mean, it does not look good on the organization to continually do this. One time, make your point. I get it. Two times, do it for a month, make your point. But from this to do it, like what was this the second year in a row he's done this? Barry's just doing his job. Russell's not. When you get twenty million dollars a year, part of your job is to be accountable for what you do, what you say, in the in the media room. I'm. Matt, like I said, I'm I'm just gonna disagree with you. I didn't you. even know I was gonna go on that rant tonight. I I'm just gonna completely disagree That's with fine. you. That's fine. I'm, I'm that okay matter. with that. The I get in a professional working environment, you may have to work with people you don't like, people you don't even like to be around. We don't even have to talk about their kids. Well, I work with you because you don't like me. <laughs> you chose to work with me, and I don't I don't I don't even know how to take that. I get it, though. In a professional environment, what you're saying works. So you're saying these guys aren't professionals? No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm, I'm just saying that that would be expected. I think that can be an expectation. And I see where you're coming from in stating that maybe there does need to be some disciplinary action for, for Westbrook specifically. Mm-hmm. For some of these things that have been said, have been carried out, done, etc., but at the same time is I don't feel – didn't Barry Trammell get himself removed from – I'm thinking of some completely different situation. Yeah, yeah here, here's the thing. Here's what it boils down to in my opinion. There, there's two big things. Now, what a lot of fans will say – a lot of fans will say, well, Barry Trammell wrote the article Mr. Unreliable about Kevin Durant. Well, why do we care? Why do, I thought Oklahoma City didn't care about Kevin Durant first of all. I thought, you know, since he left, I mean, they, they sure don't mind calling him a cupcake. You know, they, they, they don't mind having all that. But but they're going to use a headline from an article that Barry Trammell wrote as the excuse for Russell Westbrook to treat him this way. 
but I, I, I mean, I'm confused because I, all I understand from Oklahoma City fans is that we don't like Kevin Durant. We like him to be called names. We like him to fail unless we're going to use that as an excuse for the way Russell Westbrook is treating Barry Tremble. But the, the flip side of that is what a lot of people don't understand, unless you're writing for Heartland Sports or another blog similar to that, the guys who write columns, they don't write the headlines. You have a copywriter, an editor who does the headline. Barry Trammell writes the article, submits it. Someone else proofs the article, puts it in a layout, and then writes a headline for it. But here's the thing, Matt. When it comes to Barry Trammell, I'm not questioning any kind of ethics with him, but I question his timing. And this goes back. This this is – I mean we are way off topic here. But, but do you remember just a couple of years ago, Oklahoma City – the Oklahoma Sooners are playing for the, the Women's College World Series against Auburn. Or was it Florida that year? I can't remember. Auburn. Regardless of who it was, Oklahoma snatches that title. I'm walking out onto the field. I've got a, a camera in my hand to grab some photos of the celebration that, that can be used in web format. As I'm walking out to the field with all the other reporters, you know who's making a beeline the opposite direction? It's Barry Trammell. And you know why? Do you know the article he published that night? Bob Stoops is retiring. But that's a, that's a, that's a bigger story. It is. But why rain on their parade? Why not publish that in the morning? That's because it's a bigger story. But oh, that football, wasn't no, – That's Matt, a terrible analogy. No, it's football, not. Yes, it is. Matt, because look, listen. Football will always, whatever happens to football will always be bigger than any other sport. I don't, ca- I don't care big. about that. What, the, Do you think Barry does. Trammell was the first person to get his hands on that story? He wasn't. But it's – but it, look, he's – that is a – that was the story. I, I, I get it. I, I get okay, it. Okay, so publish it the day before. No, publish no. it the day after. Don't publish it the – You can't. you got to publish hour, it as it happened. In the hour. But it wasn't even announced yet. Bob Stoops had not made that announcement. The university oh, no, had not said anything. He didn't make the announcement to the next. I mean, I'm I'm leaving to go to South America when the when Bob the Stoops came out. But, honored, but the uh, softball it, team. It, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, it, it, that's that's Barry doing his job. I'm not a, and I feel like I'm a Barry Tremble apologist here. I'm not. I've <laughs> met Barry Tremble. I've interviewed Barry Tremble. He's been nothing but kind to me in my limited interactions mm-hmm. with him. But I'm not an apologist. What I'm saying is, as that guy, you, you were with me. I'm not going to say a name. All right? I'm not going to say any names at all. But you were with me recently in a post-game interview when I'm trying to get an athlete to give me a quote on their performance because they had a stellar performance. And I, I knew I wanted to make that the story. And I tried to ask the same question from three different directions. and got nothing out of it. You remember that? I do. And and that it's hard. I mean, you this guy's job is to write articles. Mm-hmm. He is one of, the, one of the featured columnists for the biggest newspaper in Oklahoma. So he's got to be there to ask a question. I'm not disagreeing with him doing his job. I think he is there to ask the questions. But athletes aren't aren't required for any reason, for any purpose, to respond in a manner that lets someone run a headline. But why? But he doesn't run the headline, and why let somebody else control the story? Why? Why, why not give your side of it? Why? Why? Look, if, if, if I'm well, maybe we'll give Russell Westbrook a call. We'll, we'll, look, we'll hear him out. Look, go back to the example I just that that night on that event, I wrote the story and I left this person out. 
I mean, I wrote the, their accomplishments, but a personal touch to let them contribute to the story, it wasn't there where it could have been. It could have been a better story with their comment, but, and, and this wasn't, this person wasn't, it, it was a lack of experience and not really being right. comfortable in saying well, the right thing. Well, and said person is also playing in some, from some fairly large shadows. Well, I get that. I get that. But that's, that's it contributes to that, that confidence level. that was the story level. of the night. Right. It, it I wasn't, concur. It wasn't done out of spite. It wasn't done out of jest. It was just, I'm not comfortable with the situation. So my answers are very limited. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. But man, Russell Westbrook is losing his but, story. And here's where it's going to hurt him. It's already hurt. Like national media. I, I, I love Oklahoma City. I've already said that. All right. National media is not talking about the Thunder and their wins and losses in the playoffs. National media is talking about the embarrassment of this organization in failing to control Russell Westbrook. They can't control him on the floor. They can't control him in the locker room. They can't control him in the media room. That's the story, and there is nothing along these lines, not a single thing that you're seeing on the floor, hearing from the locker room or the podium, that gives you an inclination that this story is wrong. And by Russell Westbrook continuing this, he's not contributing to the story in a way that helps him or the organization. As a member of as, so as let, a citizen me, of Oklahoma City, I want my city to be talked about in a positive way. That's not happening. Let me recap here. What you're saying is Oklahoma City has a culture within the locker room within that the permeates. Yeah, that permeates the entire organization, and that culture is dictated by Russell Westbrook. Yep. And Russell Westbrook decides essentially the outsider's view of the organization. Yep. Single-handedly. He's the face of the organization. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that. I'm just making sure that that we're clear there because before the All-Star break, like I said, and really moving forward, I from the All-Star break, things shifted back. But prior to that, I wouldn't have said that was the case. Prior to that, I would have said Paul George is, is the man on campus, to use a colloquialism that doesn't I, necessarily fit professional sports. I, we're, we're over time. Um, he, here's what you're going to see happening. You're going to see a shift amongst the fan base from Russell Westbrook to Paul George. You're going to see that happen. And that's okay. It is. It is. But – the reason that's going to happen, I mean, Russell Westbrook three years ago was the golden boy. Matt, do you do you remember having a conversation where I said Russell Westbrook was not a one? Yeah. Do you know what I meant by that? Well, I, I don't think he's a two. I think he's more of a one than a two. No, I'm not talking about position. Oh. I'm talking about on the totem pole. Yeah. I, I've never viewed Russell Westbrook as the guy to lead a team. But that's the problem is he is. I've always that, viewed him as as second fiddle player. You're you're making my argument for no me. no no. I get that Paul and, George and is I not intend the to. Of this team. But he should be. But he's not. Paul George to me is a one. You're gonna why his experience in Indiana, his experience with a smaller market. He was the guy on that team. Name another player who played with Paul George in Indiana. Okay, my point proven Miles, there. Uh, now Miles Turner. Was he with yeah. Paul George? Uh-huh. Needless to say, took some time here. When I look at Paul George, Paul George can be a one. Has he stepped into that role in Oklahoma City? He hasn't. Will he do that in year three? No, it's I, possible. As long as Russell Westbrook's there, he won't do it. 
He won't. Russell Westbrook's alpha male. He's established. See, that. and that's that's what I'm uh, saying. It's I I see gone. what you're saying, Matt. It's is you're you're saying how do, how do case you in point, it? this is reality. Yeah. You're saying this is reality. R- Russell Westbrook is the one on this team. He's the guy that everybody looks to. And like I said, I just have never seen him in that role. I'm not talking about his position on the floor. Right. No, I know exactly. When what you're LeBron saying. James steps into an organization, you know who becomes the one? It's LeBron James. Yeah, yeah, but there's no LeBron James. I know that. I know that. I get that. But that's what I'm saying is they're the Kobe Bryants, the LeBron James, the Don't, Michael Jordans. But those guys are in the same mold Do as you, Russell Westbrook. They they're they're in that same tier. There's only a there's only a select few guys okay. that can come into an organization okay, here's, and say this here's, is my team now. Russell Westbrook is one of those guys. If he no, yes, no, yes, if he were to leave Oklahoma City and go to wherever, no, unless he's teaming up with you Kevin Durant crazy. and LeBron. James, if he goes, if he goes to Cleveland, it's his team. If he goes to the Lakers, LeBron James is there. But is it goes, Kevin Durant's team? If he goes to, if if he goes to the Clippers, it's his team. The majority of the teams in the NBA, if Russell Westbrook goes there, it's his team. He is that pers- person, right? But the problem is you can't fix it in Oklahoma City. It's too far gone to fix it. You're going to change the coach. It's not going to fix the problem. You've got a contract with Russell Westbrook that no one else is going to take. No one's going to take that contract. No one. So he's there. You can't fix the problem. Matt, here's, so far. Go ahead. Here's I, all I wanted to say is um, you grew up in, in what I consider that – well, maybe not grew up, but you witnessed what I still consider to be the heyday of basketball. Which was the nineties. Mid eighties into the nineties, yeah. Exactly. The nineties. <laughs> <laughs> when I look at specifically the Bulls and that team that Michael Jordan was on, Scottie Pippen was elevated into a one role after Michael Jordan quote unquote retired. And he was expected to do these great things. Well the Bulls flopped. At they that moment, they didn't flop. They, they just did. Didn't, no, they just didn't win championships. Exactly. And a lot of people put. I mean, we're not winning championships. Then here's the thing: is when Michael Jordan announced his retirement, did you know they took a poll and they voted Scottie Pippen as the best player in the NBA? Well, but he, Scottie Pippen was a good player. But he here's, was. Wait, here's what a lot Russell of people Westbrook don't, is what a good player. A lot player. of people don't remember about that era. A lot of people don't remember about that era is Tony Kukoc. A lot of responsibility was put on Tony Kukoc. Yeah, but and, he wasn't there for the first three. But, but what I'm saying is when he was gone, when, when, when Jordan was gone, Kukoc did not fill the void that a lot of people expected him to fill. And because of that, the blame went to Scottie Pippen because he was the leader of the team. But Russell Westbrook, I mean, in this scenario, Russell Westbrook is the Michael Jordan in this scenario. See, I, I disagree with you. Russell Westbrook for me is the Scottie Pippen. Well, he was the Scottie Pippen to Kevin Durant. That's what I'm saying. And now he's been elevated to that one role. Okay. That's my point. That's where I'm going with this case closed. I I can get on board with that. Okay. Real fast. Baseball finally wins the series. Good for the Sooners. They take two of three at Minnesota over the weekend. Right now, as we're recording, the Sooners are playing uh, Wichita State. They need to pick up a midweek win just to keep boosting that out of conference RPI. Huge, huge conference series for Oklahoma City. Uh, for Oklahoma City, for the Sooners this weekend, they go to Manhattan to play Kansas State. They can take two of three, if not sweep Kansas State. That would be monumental for this team. They need to win the series, and they really could use a sweep against the Wildcats. Oklahoma softball continues rolling. Texas 
put up a good fight for two games, but the Sooners are able to take care of the Longhorns, sweeping them. Giselle Juarez, player, pitcher of the week for the second consecutive week. Oklahoma tomorrow night, the softball's playing Wichita State, and then they're off to Ames, Iowa for a weekend series against the Iowa State Cyclones. That should be another sweep. Setting up Bedlam, I said, you and I talked about this, I said if one team was going to catch the Sooners and, and, and break this conference winning streak, I thought it'd be Oklahoma State. Um, that's a potential Bedlam, two games in Stillwater, one game in Norman, um, and then you go into the Big 12 tournament, and then you go into the regionals, Super Regionals, World Series, Oklahoma, Oklahoma rolling, continue to rolling in softball. All right, so we've given you almost seven minutes of extra time. He's rich. Uh-oh, um, the uh, NCAA is going to put, uh, a, I know. put a ban two on conversion, it. Two-point conversion once we get to that seventh minute. Um, so um, he's rich. I'm Matt, Sooner Nation, online podcast, Heartland Sports, heartlandsports.com, on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. Have a great week. Boomer Sooner.